welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey BMTG. What is up, bro? Oh, Hello? oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, Brad. I, w- I was playing Arena. I was playing Caldheim here. I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I've been hopelessly addicted why, why, to the why, new why side. Why lie to them? Why? Why? Why do you even have to lie? Of course, you're not doing that. <laughs> why, why? Why lie to our audience, Corey? Just, just tell them you're excited about the product. That, that's what I just said. That's what I just said. And you know what? It's to keep them all on their toes. You know, <laughs> we tell them we always have the best, you know, special guests around here, but we're lying then. You know, so I figure I want to mix in. I want to mix in some lies of my own so that it doesn't seem as bad when we lie to them every week about our special guest. The Bash Bros podcast, where we play two lies and a truth every single episode. <laughs> or no, it's two truths and a lie. Or whatever. Uh, I, no, 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 no. This week it is two lies and a truth. You're yeah. right. <laughs> Speaking of lies, God. Oh, I'm I'm getting I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Anyway, this podcast can be found on Poppy, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. So if you want to. Watch this and follow us so you can get every single episode as they come out. Well, Brad, Go is that the lie or platforms. is that the lie? Are those platforms actually not where we have the podcast? Corey, or? Corey, Corey. Yes, yes, Bradley. Little brother, little brother. Let yes. me get through this. Okay. This is just okay. the shit we got to say so mm. people know where to find us. It's not okay. part of the joke. Okay. Sorry, I get confused. We're the joke. That's not the uh, joke. Okay. Of course. Okay. Go Carry on then. <laughs> All right. And, and other bullshit that we always have to get through. Also, every single podcast of the Bash Bros podcast, uh, we have a special guest. And since we're talking about the top five cards from call time, we thought we'd bring one of the top five special guests of all time, Mr. Brian Brown doing. How's it going, BBD? Wonderful. It is going wonderful. And I got to say that... It is, for the second time, an honor and a privilege to be on the Bash Bros podcast. I thought that being a special guest in the past would have been the greatest honor I could have received, Mm. and I was wrong, because I've received an even greater honor, and that is winning the world championship in 2016. But I also (laughs) received an honor that's a little bit lesser and close, and that is being the second time special guest on the Bash Bros podcast. So thank you guys so much. I'm excited to get in here and talk about cards that impressed me from Kaldheim, top five. So let's... So so Brian, like um, you say this, right? Like you say that you're excited like you did the last time. Mm. Right. Remember before uh, you turned your mic off, I I did get, uh, I I picked up this and I kept the recording for the next time you'd be on the show. Mm. Um, we, We have you on record saying this about the podcast. I don't want to have to fucking do this shit anymore. Whoa, Brian. So, yeah, like Brian. I th- I thought I thought you said it was such an honor all the time. That that tape does not scream honor anywhere. That wasn't me. I don't know whose voice that oh, is. Oh, that wasn't you. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's Yeah, I don't know who that was. <laughs> all right, I don't well, know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, so uh, before we get into... Uh, okay, fine, it was five. fucking me. I don't have to fucking <laughs> do this shit anymore. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm lying. This Brian. is not an honor. This is not a privilege. This is fucking bullshit. Okay, this is that's what this, this is. This is one of your layers of hell, <laughs> Brian. I got a I got a serious question for you. You said you said something about you know winning the world championship in 2016 being a great honor, but yeah. the fact that you're one of the top five that's an award right now. You know, to keep it real, you're one of the top five special guests we've ever had in the history of our four 
special guest we've had on the podcast. Isn't that a greater honor than winning worlds? No. We've only had two special guests. No, we've had four. Have we? We've had, yes, we've had four. four. Yep. Oh, no, no, no. no, no. We've had, (gasps) yes, we've had four. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We've had Alias. Correct. We've had Wyatt Darby and Mangucci. And no, 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 no. Wyatt Darby was a host. Oh, we had, had Gucci. We had Mangucci as a guest. Okay. We had Corey as a guest. Correct. And then, oh, and, and then, then yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've had four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that. Your top five. Then we fifth is still blank. But you know what? You're you're still competing with the blank person. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what has more layers. The bean dip I'm going to be eating on Super Bowl Sunday, or the layers of hell that I have to go through every week to be on this cast, but man, that, speaking up. of hell, I actually have to pick the team. So for, for everyone that doesn't know, Ooh. uh, every year, Brian and I have uh, a, a bet of the Super Bowl, and uh, there are no odds. And whoever lost last year's bet gets to pick the team the next year, right? And for the last like five or six, four, four or five years, uh, Brian has been in Tom Brady hell where he just can't pick the right side of Tom Brady. Correct. Uh, but he there broke is no the right curse. Side. That's the yeah. There, there, that's the problem. There's no right side of Tom Brady, and so for four years in a row, he kept picking the wrong side of Tom Brady. But then there was a Bradyless Super Bowl, and he was able to break the curse. Of course, he picked the Chiefs and won the bet. So now I'm forced to pick in a fucking Brady Super Bowl again, and it looks like I'm not supposed to bet for Brady, right? Like I'm supposed to go with the the new goat and and go with um. <clears throat> Uh, Mahones, 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 Mahones. my homie. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's fucking Tom Brady, right? Like, who knows yeah. what can happen? So, like, I, I'm, I'm stuck Tom in that Brady? hell. What? That's huge news. <laughs> that is very big news. Yeah. Yeah, betting against yeah. Tom Brady for money just never feels good. That's for sure. Look, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna explain how the hell worked for me. So, I bet against Brady. Because I wanted to root for the other team, even knowing that, you know, the Patriots were favored. Like, for example, the 28 to 3 Super Bowl, I uh, I took the Falcons and I had to watch in horror as they made some of the worst decision making I've ever seen in my life to throw that <laughs> game away. Uh, <laughs> and me and Brad went to sleep and didn't even get to see us winning that bet from you. Yeah. And yeah. I had to. Oh God, that was oof. All right, let's uh, maybe reliving this is a bad idea. Now, so then, so, th- so there's that. But then, uh, eventually, I was like, okay, I'm sick of picking against Tom Brady because I want to root against him, and I want my rooting and my betting interest to align for my enjoyment of the game. Because yep. I keep losing every time I pick against Tom Brady. So then I uh, picked the Patriots, and then that's when they lost to the Eagles. <laughs> and i was like well damn okay so i was like clearly that doesn't work so i'm like all right i'm gonna go back to uh i'm gonna go back to going against going against them and then i picked the rams and they lost so Ooh, so yeah. basically you've just been punting left and right that's the that's the moral of the story huh Yes, it, it's like no, the Giants were punting left and right in that Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, of course, yes. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. It, it, it's basically the story of the guy who keeps picking tails on every coin flip, and then uh, 
it keeps being heads like seven times in a row. And you're like, you know what? I'm sick of picking tails when it's always heads. So then you pick heads the next time. And of course, that's the time it's tails. Yeah. That seems like your luck. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a fun it was a fun four or five years, but now I'm stuck in that hell of having to pick the team. So I mean, you've lost one time. I wouldn't say you're stuck in that. I lost, <laughs> I lost twice, right? No, no. I, oh, uh, in a row. Yeah, you've lost multiple times since we've started, but you are. This is the first time in a row that you've lost. Like, the one thing I will say, boys, no, is I no. I, I I've only lost once. I haven't lost any in a row yet. I just have to pick. If I lose this one, I'd lose two in a row. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like oh, you're yeah. saying, you're stuck in a hell. I'm like, you're not stuck in a hell. You literally. Well, I'm lost stuck ones. in the the Tom Brady hell of having to pick against Tom Brady. Like <laughs> no one has ever picked Tom Brady and won in our bet so far. Right, but you've never made that choice. So that's true. That's, that's true. true. The one thing Actually, I am thankful no, wait, for. You did make that choice, didn't you? I did make that choice. Yeah, because the, you the lost, Seahawks lost to him, right? Yeah, you lost. That's right. Brad also lost in the Tom Brady hell. That's he what picked, started this. He picked the Seahawks when they uh, when Malcolm Butler got that interception on the goal line. That I don't recall super- what you're talking about. Um, so <laughs> so uh, so GameStop. Um, GameStop. Uh, so uh, man, anyone, Marshawn Lynch. Anyone they- got GameStop stock? <laughs> didn't run the ball on first and goal. No, I I mean I have a lot of used games that I bought for you know six dollars or whatever from GameStop, but uh, I don't think that counts as stock. So no, no. Yeah. Now, do, <laughs> have you been keeping up with that, Corey? Oh yeah, it's so funny. It's oh my so god. Up. It, oh, it's absolutely messed up. I think the funniest thing about that I've heard about this is just the fact that Robinhood, that trading currency thing, you know, is called Robinhood and it's literally stopping the poor from making money and giving to the rich. I think that's the funniest thing of this whole situation. It's just the opposite of Robinhood. No, it's not. It is Robin Hood. It's just like the all all these like commoners are finally rich, so now they're targeted, right? Yeah, I know, but that's what the app is trying to do now is control essentially the poor from getting rich by stopping the trading of, yeah. you know, these certain coins or whatever, and then, you know, um making it so, you know, all the Reddit people can't um, you know, fluctuate these numbers oh, and the stuff. Ir- yeah. The irony of the irony of branding and how all of these companies are working together because like like everyone started giving you know them bad reviews mm-hmm. and then google and apple just like wiped hundreds of thousands of negative reviews off of them wow in the last yeah that's the last 24 hours i don't know if you've seen that brian and i've heard they're no. getting sued too by just users for you know well, controlling a class and- action lawsuit for like that stuff but also the fact that Hundreds of thousands of users were giving them bad reviews, and Google and Apple just already wiped those bad reviews off of their record. God, it's, it's just like, so it's crazy that that stuff yeah. shouldn't be legal at all. But it's just the people that make the rules are these rich people, so they get to do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, people just. I, I'm hoping that this will open people's eyes to the the corruptness class class dynamics that dominate our country. Because I, I feel like. For the last, I don't know how long, it's just, it's always been social issues that have divided people, like Mm -hmm. how you fall on a social issue, but the class dynamics of rich versus poor, I think has always been a more pressing problem in our country that kind of just gets. Yeah. And just the double standards of it too. 
purposefully um, ignored because social issues get put into the limelight over them. But. Mm -hmm. It's so funny that, you know, the, the rich stockbrokers and stuff are like, hey, if you want to make more money, just invest your money. And then they're like, okay, here we go. And they're like, oh, wait, stop. Stop! Stop investing. I'm not. I'm the first to admit that I don't really know what's going on, right? Like I don't go into. Like I haven't learned this shit. I should, right? Like I yeah. have a disposable income that I could use to to uh, to, invest, to invest. And I probably yeah. should have in my life. Yeah. Um. But I haven't. But the one thing of just logicing this out is I love when situations like this happen, and that's when like big hedge fund man like that like a news an outlet will get like oh we've got somebody that's been in as managed hedge funds for 30 years to talk to us and they're like yeah the people the average people they're gonna get fucked in this deal like this is bad for them and it's like dude you don't talk like this on normal days when they are getting fucked yeah like when when, when the average person is making bad wall street choices you're not in the, you're not on cnn saying you know they're gonna get in trouble but you are right now. I actually don't think that it's that bad. Like, yeah. I, you know. Yeah, it's bad for them. So they're trying to say people shouldn't start it. It's just reverse psychology. Like. Yeah, reverse psychology. Like yeah. I will say, though, that in the long run, the people who are actually experts at this kind of like some amount of people lost out big on this thing that's going on. Mm -hmm. But the people who are super savvy are going to win. You know, like, the house always takes your money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so always like, win. Mm -hmm. uh, you know anyone who's using uh like the gamestop as an opportunity to try to make a lot of money and for whatever the next thing that comes is i mean i i'm not an expert so maybe i'm maybe i'm talking to my ass here but mm -hmm. i would guess that they're probably you know things will correct themselves the markets everything's going to adjust to you know whatever is happening and uh people who try to replicate the seemingly one-time success of this event are probably not going to succeed with it. Probably. Yeah. And the only one thing, the only one clear thing correlation that I've been seeing this is all of a sudden Seth Manfield made a video for GameStop and then all of a sudden the stock skyrockets. I'm not, I'm not big on conspiracy <laughs> theories, but I'm just yeah, pointing out the facts. I, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. He's true. Yeah. He's yeah, I, I think we need to get Seth in here next time. But that was for like, I thought I didn't even know that that was about this shit. I thought it was like them mad at, like, I thought they were mad at GameStop for something else. That thread was insane. It's like, all of a sudden, I just see Seth Menville retweet GameStop saying like, watch Seth Menville play Magic. And then I'm like, oh, wow, that's a lot of comments. I'm going to check what they're saying. And they're all just like, fuck you, GameStop. And I'm like, holy shit. What is <laughs> Seth in the middle of? I'm going to back away slowly. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to back away like that homer into the hedge fund meme oh, huh? into the hedge fund <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well let's actually let's actually get to it um yeah let's talk so, some magic so all right, now that we've early, alienated everyone except the most hardcore of you yeah we've lost manguchi so we're good yep <laughs> yeah the Bash Bros Podcast is proudly sponsored by BCW Supplies. BCW offers great products at an even better price. From their Elite 2 sleeves to the DeckBot line, you're sure to get an amazing product. I've been using their sleeves and deck boxes for the last year, and let me tell you, bro, their durability is unparalleled. Well, if you're interested in trying them out yourselves, you can go to bcwsupplies.com and order today. BCW Supplies. Protect. Store. Display. Slogans. Marketing. Magic. 
Wow. So, um, so Corey and I played some early access and then I played a little bit of magic yesterday, not as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I, I had some work to do and I did a lot of work, but then in the time that was allotted for magic, I was just playing with my dog. <laughs> so yes. I don't know what that says, but I did get a decent amount in and Corey and I and Brian, uh, both worked to create this top five list. Um, mm-hmm. and for today we're, we're, we're excluding the dual lands. Of course, the pathways are good. We're just going to ignore like, yes, they're probably better than some of these cards and hell have an impact, but of course they will. Cause they're, they're pathways. They're great mana fixing for the format. And these are just the yeah. five top non-land cards from the set that Corey and I have decided to put on our list. And, um, and we want to talk about, we have yeah. at the end, we'll talk about a few cards that we want to work on still, but uh, these are the cards so- that were the best. And we think are going to be format staples and, um, Cards you should be prepared for in the next coming days uh, slash weeks to to play with or against. So, um, Brad, just one quick thing before we get into this list, I gotta I gotta ask you because I didn't get to watch your stream because it seemed like uh, whenever we stream, we stream at the same times and we don't really yeah. plan it. Um, but I kept hearing a lot of rumbling from my chat where everyone's just like, "Corey, you need to go talk to your brother. He is playing all." exclusively Throne of Eldraine cards and like maybe nine or 10 people just kept coming in and be like, dude, your brother's only playing old cards. What's going on? So you, you gotta, you gotta confess to us. What were you doing um, over there, Bradley? Oh, um, well, <laughs> that's not technically true. Uh, I wanted to play some OBS on, uh, so I started with OBS on Doom Foretold with Binding of the Old Gods. Cause I was really curious how good Binding of the Old Gods was. Okay. Um, and I just, I didn't have a lot of new cards in my, my deck, but also like, I'm going to stop you right there. (laughs) So Corey, can we band together here? All the times Brad has talked about us playing mediocre Abzan decks at the very beginning (laughs) of a format. (laughs) Well, that's why he's been hanging with us too much. Have turned how the tables have turned. All right, continue, Brad. I'm sorry. You're welcome. I mean, I do like you bringing up the abs on bullshit medium. It's like, well, I, I was just playing the best thing. I might be playing the best thing right now. Yorian. Yep. Have you I thought agree. about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a Yorian deck. Um, but yeah, so I was just playing like decks with a few slight upgrades and not full blown on the new cards because Truth be told, anytime I played against somebody that was playing too many new cards, their deck was terrible and I just destroyed them. Oh, I mean, like, that's what the whole streamer event is about. You play against absolute jank from the new set and whoever whoever plays the card or a card like it, like Heartless Act, wins. <laughs> whoever interacts on the streamer event is going to win matches. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so you had Binding of the Old Gods, you're already miles ahead of everybody else. So. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just, I was just playing with like, you know, slight upgrades on, on decks that I wanted to try that I liked. Okay. Um, I did build, I did build a sweet Golgari uh, adventures deck that had only a pathway mana base because it splashed for Mythos and uh, Tybalt. And oh, okay. so it was, the, the mana base was just pathways and triums <laughs> hmm. and, 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 and a few, uh, a few of the, the split card land, the, the black spell that pay three life. Agademes. Agademes, yeah. yeah. Agademes Awakening, yeah. A few of those, but yeah, I just wanted to play Valky as a two-drop and like a late-game finisher, and that's actually our f- number five card 
yeah. uh, that I put on the list because I played a decent amount with it is Valky God of Lies. Now I'm going to read this fucking monstrosity of a encyclopedia of a card. Okay, wake me up when you're done, okay, familiar. Brad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Valky God of Lies, colorless black, 2-1, legendary creature, God, front side. When Valky enters the battlefield, each opponent reveals their hand for each opponent. Exile a creature card. They revealed this way until Valky leaves the battlefield. X, colon, choose a creature card. Exiled with Valky with converted mana cost X. Valky becomes a copy of that card. And then on the other side, it's Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, five colors, black, red, Planeswalker, five loyalty. As Tybalt enters the battlefield, you get an emblem, which is important because I didn't realize this. You <laughs> may play cards exiled with Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, um, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Plus two, exile the type card of your library, minus three, exile target artifact. Of each artifact player's creature. library, right? Of each player's, yeah. yeah, so yeah of yeah. each player's library. Minus X, exile all cards from all graveyards, add red, red, red. Um, so. Uh, and you can play lands short, too from them. That's insane. Yeah, you can play lands, but also I didn't realize that if Tybalt dies, whatever's exiled, you can still cast because it's an emblem. And so, uh, oh. you know, I exiled the creature, I lost my Tybalt, and then I could cast the creature. I was like, holy shit, that's good. And if just they ECD Tybalt, that works, right? Like you can just recast. If they ECD Tybalt, can you recast Valky or just Tybalt? Uh, if they ECD... Uh, you would not be able to cast either, right? Really? But you get but an answer cards. It's cards it, exiled oh, with Tybalt. With, with Tybalt. Yeah, okay, yeah, my it's bad, just my exiled bad. cards, yeah. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's exiled cards with Tybalt. So, so yeah, I mean, the exile only hits artifacts and creatures because it is Rakdos, and, you know, that's color pie stuff. So there's a lot of enchantments <laughs> and planeswalkers out there in this format mm -hmm. that oh, this black can't interact can't, with. Black and red aren't able to deal with enchantments. Stop. They, they made a card. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know don't, where Brian's going with this, but I bet it's don't stupid. Well, actually, me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not well actuallying you. I'm well actuallying Wizards of the Coast. Oh, oh, but they're not they're not on this podcast right now, Brian. Uh, okay. Yeah. Also, so, no, also, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't about like you're correct. I agree with you. <laughs> That's what black and red does. I just I'm still bitter that they made a black card that blows up enchantments. But anyway, which is what I'm again? not. I'm not the binding or no, which card are you talking not. about? From the last set, it was uh, colorless black, destroy a creature or enchantment. Oh, uh, sure, lose sure, life sure. equal to its CMC. I mean, See, if you're going to stick to the color pie with white, where they never give white any good cards because that's part <laughs> of white's color pie, then they should stick to it with other colors. That's all. That's my. Sorry to derail. Let's get back to to bald. <laughs> so I want to ask you. I want to ask you some questions about uh, about this card, bro. Because this is one thing I just haven't been playing at all. Uh, most of my time, I focused on. Some outrageous things, you know, like the Ollie on Trazi kind of five color nonsense. But then for the most part, just different versions of Yorian decks, just because that's what I enjoy playing. And I wanted to see how some of the new cards interacted. But like, were you casting a lot more Valkyries than Tybalt's? And I just want to hear how, how it was good for you. Okay, so... Um, I, can't, I can't speak to where this card belongs. Okay um or or where it's going to end up but what i can speak to is how standard usually operates and why this card is good and so uh the reason that this card is good is it should be playable and worth its mana cost uh for most of the turns in the game right casting a valky in the early turns is pretty good like you can it can come down you can take their their three drop 
the before they can cast it like i even took like a beanstalk giant so they couldn't wrap i've I took a bone crusher, so they lost their removal spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could do things like that. And then also, you know, if you want to pump it and turn it into something, uh, I think that's secondary. Mm-hmm. But that's still that's still an effect and it's flavorful to its other side. But for the most part, this card was decent on the front. But what's great about it is it gives you the option to also be good in the late game and be a mana sink and a potential finisher in a game. And that's mm-hmm. not something that we get to see in standard that often. Like your finisher can't be played on turn two and disrupt your opponent. So the flexibility of this card is what excites me the most. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I mean, I saw um, a little bit of just that kind of explanation of why the card's good, just with Haka and Allrun. I don't I don't think uh, that's as powerful of a card as this, but just having the versatility of a two-drop versus late game, um, I do think it's just incredibly important in standard. And Felky you know, is causing a lot of trouble even in older formats as well. Probably better in those even. Yeah, potentially. And yeah, Haka yeah. and Alrun, um, I think is interesting and probably mm-hmm. much better than we have figured out to be. But like, you know, it's it's a more complex card. I have no idea how to make that 2-3 for 2 mana do something without putting it in a flicker deck. Whereas like this yeah. Valky card, I could play it in Rakdos. I could play it in an aggressive... Um, like Mardu shell, I could put it. I, hell, you could put this card in a deck with our next card, Binding of the Old Gods, mm-hmm. and just have one land that can be searched out for it, so you can cast your Tibbles, right? Like I've seen some yeah. people play like a few Pathways and a Triom that you know uh, the uh, the Teamer Triom, so that you can just cast late game Tibbles. And mm-hmm. so I, I I just think that this card is going to be very good in standard, just because it's seven mana side sits on top of things, and it's two mana side disrupts them and that's kind of what you want out of a, a a black card is to like slow these decks down like if you take if your opponent's keep is because they have a mammoth and a great engine you take the mammoth even if they kill the valky eventually they don't have turn four hand right yeah and the nice thing is valky hits one of the best removals for valky and that's bone crusher right now the fact that you get to hit that removal spell for it i think is nice so i i just see this against gruel and it makes a ton of sense why it's good. Um, and I mean, you have to be prepared for Gruel. That's still, I still played against so many people that wanted to just, you know, uh, watch the world burn essentially and just play Gruel with like two extra new cards or whatever. Um, so it's definitely going to still be around. So it's, I would say it's a high variance card. Like if you play mm-hmm. a Valky on turn two and your opponent has two three drops, like you're not looking that good. But if they, you know, like, if you mm-hmm. can disrupt their play pattern with it, it's it certainly would be strong. But a lot of times what happens with cards like this against some of the more powerful streamlined decks is that you look at their hand and there's nothing you can take that interrupts their curve, you know, if that makes sense. I agree with that in a sense, but the <laughs> fact that you can Velky takes one of their three drops, and then if you see they only have another three drop and a Great Henge, you're playing a black deck, which is going to have removal. You know that I am going to kill that creature. Just the looking at the hand thing, I think, is really relevant if you have a decent amount of removal and you can plan accordingly for what's important based on their hand. You also you also have to think about it in the sense that Rakdos in general doesn't really have good two drops in standard or good late games that that match up with other opponents' late games. And this card is a decent two drop and has a very good late game effect. Like that mm-hmm. that unchecked will probably win the game. Yeah, yeah, and um, 
you know, I've been seeing a lot of Rakdos decks that have been popping up that have been playing like Goldspan Dragon as the top end, but then still playing Valky. And I mean, I just had somebody that went, you know, turn five Goldspan Dragon attack and then just play Valky and take my creature. And I'm like, oh my God, this is disgusting, you know? So no, I, I, I can see this card being good. Yeah, I like it. Um, and then and then number two is the card that I play, or no, the next card up. Do you have anything else to say about it, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sold on it, but we'll see. Like, I, I could be wrong. It's just there's a lot of power in the best case scenarios of this card, but you know, the turn four, turn five Valkies, the ones that miss on creatures, the ones where taking a card doesn't slot, stop your opponent's curve. I, I, I have a hard time imagining that those are going to be terribly impressive. Well, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with the that. I'm saying that most Rakdos cards, that's the problem, is most Rakdos cards have a large window where they're not good. Yeah. Um, and this one ha has minimized that significantly because it's a flip card. It, it's two magic cards. And, and yeah. it's two magic cards with more text than some magic cards. <laughs> yeah. No, I... And like, honestly, that's what's messed up about it. I, the more and more I think about um this card the more i just love it with goldspan dragon for either you know playing the front half right away or even if you just don't have a six land just attacking with gold span dragon twice and then playing tybalt seems pretty awesome you know we'll um, get more to we'll get more to goldspan but like my yeah i mean i like that because it ramps to tybalt but i you know like the thing about goldspan is i don't know if this is what you want to be doing with like goldspan can create a lot of tempo Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want, I kind of like playing that card with high interaction. Like the, yeah. is it disdainful stroke negates brazen borrower kind of stuff? Cause I mean, that does yeah. seem sick. Yeah. Yeah. I would um, argue that Goldspan dragon does play or does seem to play very well with this card um, from both sides of, of Valky. Mm -hmm. But I think that's more a product of Goldspan dragon being incredibly being good busted, and making yeah. every card around it look better. Yeah, it's That's like, totally it's like Yorian 2.0. Yeah. Um, one last thing I just wanted to say because we brought it up. That's slightly unrelated. When I was playing yesterday, I was playing with Ulrin Haka Charming Prince nonsense a lot. And I don't know how many times people did this to me. And I am just putting this out as a PSA to not do this. I would just play Haka on two and then my opponent would just like glass casket it. And then I just go Skyclave Apparition and get Ulrin and then activate it. I did that probably like five times. <laughs> and so I'm just saying people should not try to put that card under a glass casket under the early game. Which um, card? Haka. Haka, the flip oh, side of Ulrin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then I would just Skyclave Apparition at the glass casket the next turn and just get Ulrin as like a 6-6. Six, six, and they're just like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's rough. It was so good. But yeah, all right, let's go to the next card. All right, so number four uh, is an interesting one because it's an uncommon, but we've got Binding of the Old Gods. Now, I, I do, I, I'm weary of putting this on a top five list, truth be told. Okay. You know, as a safe bet, like Mythics and Rares are probably, and who knows how good this card's actually going to be, but I was pretty impressed with it so far. So Binding of the Old Gods, two colors, black, green. It's a saga. Uh, it's first chapter's destroy target, non-land permanent, and opponent control. So it very much has that ECD effect. Yeah. Um, and then its second is search your library for a forest card, put that on the battlefield tab, then shuffle your library. You can get a trium, which is nice, or a snow color forest. Uh, but triums have been awesome. And then three is creatures you control gain death touch and challenge a turn. Shitty third. 
I've seen it have a little bit of an impact in a game, but not much. Unless you um, have that, like, you know, I, I've played decks that are just like straight Golgari, like Golgari Adventures, and then just have a couple of those poison creatures. That way, you know, if you just have a mass amount of creatures, giving everything death touch and then poisoning them out. Definitely more cheesy, but that's like the only good aspect I've seen for chapter three. Otherwise, I agree. It's just I mean, if that, if that death touch into poison is a real thing, sure. But yeah. I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath on it. For sure. For um, sure. Sounds, sounds super casual. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I played with this card in, you know, I, I was testing it in Abzan Doom Foretold because that's a deck I really liked and realized that this card plays so much better than ECD in that deck because you don't have creatures in your graveyard often, but you always want more mana. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the thing that I've found and why I have it on the list, and I can't really speak to it much more than this, is because of triomes, because standard has dual ends, the ability and 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 how pathways operate, the ability to play a fourth or even a fifth color in a deck is wide is wider with these bindings and with these split cards. Like I feel like you could splash Tibalt in uh Golgari deck because of binding, and you just have one uh teamer trio in your deck and your four bindings mm. can go get that yeah um and so uh and you can play a few pathways to to splash it so like the the possibilities of this card are kind of endless just for a pretty good removal spell and then and then like you know we can talk about uh you know, that, then then we just get to the talking point that's like, it's really good with Yorion, and this might be the new path for Yorion decks because it's faster than ECD, and sometimes ECD is too slow. Yeah. And uh, one thing that yeah. I did with this, speaking of Yorion, I played a little Abs and Doom as well, bro, but I really wanted to try In Search of Greatness, which a card that I think we can all agree we're, we're pretty medium on. But I did have just an incredible sequence with this card and that card where I just went turn four, binding the old gods, killed something. Then uh, turn five, bought Yorian from my companion zone, played in search of greatness. And then during my turn six, in my upkeep, got to put a free Yorian into play, blink out Binding of the Old Gods before it actually chapter three and went away, and then do it again. It was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I will, yeah, I will say that the Tybalt... Uh, pairing with binding of the old gods does sound very good to me because the natural play pattern of this card is going to be well you're gonna if you play it on turn four then on turn five you're gonna go up to six mana and then on turn six you're gonna go up to seven mana so mm-hmm. it does naturally play well with seven drops assuming that you're hitting all your land drops so i yeah. could i could see that being a pretty strong play pattern where you know turn four you play binding turn five you interact in some way and then turn six you play it's a bolt it's also it's also uh turn five commonly uh is is a turn where you either play a five drop or you double spell two yeah and then you can double spell into a big card right like you can play an apparition and a heartless act on turn five and then get access to your new land and that makes like a tibalt or a seven drop um that's that's less on the interaction side like uh have a higher stability right mm-hmm. yep now honestly the more and more we talk about this the more i really want to build a a sultai yorian deck with binding of the old gods splash red for tybalt and just saying seven drops seem good with this um you know Ulrin's epiphany was a card that seemed pretty good with um for me yesterday and just playing something like that with this card seems something that could be there 
Yeah, for sure. You ramp into a seven drop kind of thing. Oh yeah, I, I, I that's that's why I like this card. The sky's the limits. Uh, I could see it being in any color combination, um, and just a, a decent removal spell in the current landscape of standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm pretty impressed with it. Uh, I don't exactly know where it belongs. It, I mean, it feels like it should be with Yorion. But outside of that, I could see it doing a lot of stuff. So I like it. Uh, I think I like it more than ECD in the decks that I've been building. But that said, uh, Elspeth Conqueror's Death does do things that Binding can't. And I mean, there's no world where you can't play some number of both, like four Binding, oh, two ECD or something, you know? Um, yeah, I have been. Yeah, ECD is still just a phenomenal card, but sometimes five mana and the restriction of converted mana cost three or less. I've just lost to scavenging oozes and shark tokens when I'm chock full of ECDs and stuff. So this does really excite me. Yeah, yep. I mean, the problem with ECD is that the, it it dominates the format so much, cards like that, that mm-hmm. people will have to build their decks to where it's no longer good. Yeah. It's oftentimes what has to happen. Whereas this right. card just, it's so universal that it's certainly less powerful i think like you know in a vacuum but it's the university the universalness of the removal makes it so you can't build your deck to not get hit by it really imagine how bad this card would be if veil was still in the format that would just be such a (laughs) such a tell all right moving to the third i'm not going down that path jesus well actually it would have rotated by now oh yeah you're right you're right yeah, it was it was it was like the greens aether gust, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but all right, so number three is a card that I have no experience with, but you do, Corey. But I'll I'll, I'll yeah. Uh, and we don't have both sides to this card. Can you add the second side while I read the first? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, right, I got so, time. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So so the third card in our list is another split card. Uh, that's a that's a book practically. It's Bergy God of Storytelling. Uh, two colorless red, three three legendary creature god. Whenever you cast a spell, add red until the end of your turn. You don't lose uh, this mana at as steps and phases end. Creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than one. Funnily enough, this card is good outside of boast decks. Shocking yeah. that free mana would be good anywhere. <laughs> uh, and then its flip side is Hardafell Horn of Bounty, four colorless red, legendary artifact. Discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. Yeah, this card is excellent. You know, I mean, it's a natural slot um, into mono red just because, um, you know, mana, go playing something pre-combat that, you know, has haste and then carrying over that mana into your combat for Embercleave is just excellent. Um, and then I started to just mess around with red-white shells um, playing, you know, the card we're going to talk about next is Showdown of the Scalds. Um, generating Spoilers. card advantage, spoiler alert, yeah, generating carded advantage with that and being able to gain mana each time. And I think the most important aspect about this card that makes it playable to me is just three toughness. Not being able to be stomped, I think, is a pretty big deal in standard right now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of good removal right now that people are playing. Um, and stomp is one of the the biggest removal spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, this card, this card can be stolen with claim, and I do think that claim is a good magic card still. Oh, really? And and, and oh, have you not played much of these black red sacrifice decks before and after rotation? I definitely played them before, before rotation, but I, I didn't know if it would uh, transfer over as well um, into the next format. Just with so many well, Yorian decks coming around, it feels like a rough card to main deck to me. But um, you know, could be good. 
Oh, sure. I mean, the, things move quickly, right? And mm -hmm. and and we all don't have the same experiences. I don't know how popular Yorian is, but like uh, early yesterday, or I guess two days, no, yesterday, um, Crokies was playing, uh, you know, Rakdos splashing green for for Corvold, and the deck looked pretty good. And I was playing a little bit of Rakdos, and I thought it was okay. Uh, but it's obviously I'm moving off of it because now the new pet card is that I'm testing a, sh a showdown and I want to do a little, a few things with birdie as well or Bergie. But I mean, this is again, just arguably this is going to find a home in maybe even more formats than just this one because it's two broken things, right? It's adding mana when you cast spells and turning bad cards into card advantage and to good things. And, yep. and it costs three and five. So like you can curve out, but then once the game is getting slow, you can play this on a turn and then on the next turn, you have more chances of, you know, your deck functioning. And you can also go all in. Like, the weird thing about uh, Harnfell is if, an, if, a, if you think you're going to lose the game in a turn or two or things are going to go bad, but you could kill your opponent next turn with, uh, or this turn with uh, Embercleave, you could just try to go all in on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this card's great. And I think in the right shell, you know, when you can go on turn four, Bergy, and then just spray out all your one drops, I think even that is just insane, let alone just on three, untapping with it. It feels like you win the game a large percentage of the time. Um, so this card with a low curve and standard, I think is awesome. And I think you nailed it with uh, older formats. I've already seen like Doomwig just storm off on turn three with the help from Bergy and Modern and... It, it seems pretty nuts in modern as well. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think of this card the way that I would look at the front side of this. It's it's a boomer way, so I don't think of it like playing one drops for free on turn four because, like, you probably don't have that many. But and you want to play them before them. Yeah, yeah. But what this card actually, the a true comparison would be to Merfolk Regery, is you know that card was often if you remember those days, Brian. Oh, I do. Oh yeah, Merfolk Regery was a two colors blue two two Merfolk that one of its it was a lord, so all Merfolks got plus one plus one. But one of its abilities was whenever you cast a Merfolk spell, you can tap or untap uh, a permanent, and so often you would use that as mana by untapping land. So you know you have Bergy, you untap, you play your fourth land, you play a stomp and kill a creature, but you get a mana back. So then uh, you only have to tap your second, and you know you then you tap out. Uh, to to play your stomp but you were able to generate like you have one extra mana sitting around and you can cast something else right mm. but you're able to like stomp plus uh play bone crusher on on turn four as opposed to not being able to do that things like that are where where i think things are going to be really good for Bergy. it's going to be able to help you cast like multiple higher converted mana cost costed cards that are above above your land rate at the time now that's a good comparison that, that really is a good comparison yeah, I mean, it costs you three mana to cast both sides of Bone Crusher Giant, and then you end up with one ex a mana at the end. So, mm -hmm. yep. or it costs you four mana to do that, right? So. Yep. Yeah, card seems really good in aggressive decks. Um, could see if there's just a ton of interaction that maybe you know it just dies on sight all the time and doesn't feel as good. Um, well, and I haven't played. The, I haven't played a ton well, with this. Fell comes in exactly. What's up? If, if that's where Harnfell comes in, yeah, if I guess yeah, that's all the turns. Yeah. yeah, true, true. But I'm if saying, like, if you know, every deck is binding of the old gods kind of thing, where it can destroy both halves and stuff. You can see it not being that great. Um, 
But, you know, if it's just all creature removal, heartless act, kind of, uh, you know, spells like that in the metagame, then, you know, if one well, side is busted and unkillable, I could see it being insane. Well, that brings us to our next card, because, well, if if there is decent removal and the turns play out that way, then Harnfell's going to be good. But if they even kill that, then you have to go to true card advantage where you don't need to untap. And mm -hmm. that's why the next card is going to mean that decks like that are going to get punished, which is Showdown of the Scalds. Oh, uh, this, yeah. This is, this is just like on the nose, like a very powerful card that Boros probably needed. Uh, two colors, red, white, Saga, first chapter, exile the top four cards of your library until end of turn, until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. Keep mm -hmm. in mind, play is not cast, so lands, you can play lands. Uh, and then chapters two and three are identical. Whenever you cast a spell this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Simple, but effective, and tells you what you're supposed to try to play this card in. And, um, you know, it, a lot before, before we go too far, a lot of people have found the, the, you know, the combo that you want to play with this, which is shepherd of the flock, because for one man, you can put it back in your hand, mm -hmm. um, and then cast it later. And, and these will find you more shepherd. So you just have this card draw engine that is, you know, while the scald will take a turn away, the extra counters should hope to help catch you up. And if you play enough cheap creatures, you should already have an advantage. And this is common where we're seeing these Boros, Naya, Mardu uh, creature decks trying to find this card, trying to find its best home. Yeah, and this is the card I've been playing the most of. Um, I would say this was in, you know, like 80% of the decks I've been playing. And even the one I perfected just for uh, my dropping bombs, which I recorded yesterday, was just a Jeskai um, Yorian deck where the top end is just Ulrin's Epiphany. So, you know, you, you can either just go showdown into blinking it with Yorian uh, the next turn, which more realistically, you're going to not use a lot of your cards. You might, you know, get a land plus a Yorian or something. But the fact that I have found success with this card in a non-aggro shell and other people are finding success with this card in an aggro shell just shows me that this card is just going to be great um, if, if there's two different dynamics to the card already this early on, you know? I would be surprised if this is not the best card in the set. Like, I, really? I, yes, I, I think this card is. I, I like. I'm scared of this card because it is a lot of card advantage for not that much mana. Four cards for four mana. That's that's incredible rate. Mm -hmm. That is easily, I don't want to say abusable, but easily repeatable. Yes, I, I, I like. I know that there's a restriction on how you can get those cards but people will figure out how to build their deck around that, you know, like restriction. Yeah. And once they do like shepherd of the flock is a good example or Yorion or whatever it is like this card, I think is going to be like, uh, you know, like, mm -hmm. well, we're, we're, so, so what I'd like to say about this, Brian, and maybe this adds on to what you're saying is, <laughs> I, I don't know if this will be the best card in the long run. Like when we're doing the, the post-mortem on this set, like when we're, or when we're doing like the, you know, what were we wrong interview, about set? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> interview on this set. Uh, if like, I don't know if this will be the best card, but I do think it'll be the most impactful card because yeah. this, so I think the next few weeks or week, we're going to be tuning and figuring out collectively as, as a community, what the best, uh, deck is for showdown of the scalds and then that's how the metagame will look afterwards the metagame will shape around this card not this card will shape around the metagame 
And yeah. so like, we don't even know what the other decks are going to look like in three weeks, because once we find the best version of this deck, um, then you're going to have to figure out how many wrath effects you're going to need to actually combat this deck and, and how the green decks are going to fight it. And, you know, like all of that is up in the air right now. Well, so, yeah. I mean, my thought is like, I don't understand why you're saying how the green decks are going to fight it. Don't you mean the green decks are going to play it? Like, <laughs> but, but like the green decks might not be able to play it because the, the Rakdos version or the Bros version just straight up beats them. Yeah, that's possible. You know, like, the, like that kind of stuff. We don't we don't have those answers yet. Yeah, like I yeah. just I don't see the mana cost of this card being enough of a drawback. Like if this was a card that was just a Boros card where you could only play it in a strictly Boros deck, <laughs> I would not be worried about it. But as we've seen from Omnath and many other cards before it, you're not re- you're not held to that restriction with these kinds of cards. No, yeah, like and- I mean. Oh, sorry. And I mean, yeah, BBD, what you were saying earlier about this card just being so abusable, we have recent data that proves that it is abusable because this is Escape the Wilds, Escape the Wild vibes, right? And then it's it could be better, could be worse based on, uh, you know, chapter two and chapter three being good. But that card got banned and it's very similar. So, I mean, well, what, I can definitely I, see it being a problem. Well, yeah. well, this is like so much different than Escape the Wilds for me because because like you said, like, it's going to be good in aggressive decks. Like uh, Crokies was bragging about being 15 and four with a Naya build of Naya Adventures, right? Because Shepherd mm-hmm. of the Flock is an adventure spell, so it also works with Edgewall and Keeper, one of the best mm-hmm. cards in the format. And so you just, and also adventure cards seem great with this card because if you hit a Love Struck Beast, you just, you don't have to spend four mana on it. You just spend one and then later you can cast it. Yeah, and it's one um, mana for a one, one and put a plus one, plus one counter yeah, on something. Exactly. That's a good rate, yeah. Um, and and so it's it's good there, but then it also gives you this treacherous blessing vibes in a Yorian deck, mm-hmm. where it can let you do some cool things. Now I don't know how good it's going to be with Yorian because like this is this is a this is a four drop in an aggressive deck. It doesn't seem like a four drop in a reactive Yorian deck. Oh, it's a five drop. I would guess that this card is better in yeah, like a, an adventure deck than a Yorian deck for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't know whether this is better or worse than Escape the Wilds. I think it's comparable but having to have the thing of like man is this card better or worse than escape the wilds you know that that probably means it's going to be really strong i think also this is a stretch um but i do believe permanent spells are better than spells and this is just a spell right in permanent form yeah um and we saw that with agent of treachery right like seven mana still a permanent of yours sorcery would not have been a good card. But because that was attached to a creature, even with a shitty body, it was abusable because it's a creature. Creatures are more abusable than spells in standard. Yeah. That's that's the point I was trying to get at with the whole, you know, the shepherd of the flock thing is like, this is an abusable version of a card that was incredibly dominant. And even talk... Oh, sorry, sorry. No, Um, go ahead. Okay, and even talking about, uh, you know, the deck that you were kind of talking about, Brad, is like Binding of the Old Gods, Splash Red, uh, your Abzan deck, Splash Red for Tybalt. What's to stop you from Splashing Red for Showdown as well? Um, Well, I I really don't think that this is the kind of card that I want to put in a reactive deck um, at all, because the second and third chapters, uh, because A, drawing a bunch of cards that you have to cast at a certain time that are reactive um means they have to line up 
Yeah, an Abzan deck splash red, an Abzan Yorian deck splash red is not a reactive deck. That is a proactive deck. Anything Yorian, if you build it right, is going to be a proactive deck because you have to play to the battlefield to make Yorian better. Yeah, I mean, I guess so, but it's also... Yeah, I mean, but like drawing cards that draw you more cards sometimes is not good. Like if I play Showdown of the Scalds and I hit like um, the uh, what's it cost? The 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 two colors black Elspeth's whatever. Elspeth's Nightmare. Yeah, I hit an Elspeth's Nightmare and I hit like a, an ECD and I hit like a, a, the food, the, the two mana golden egg. Like that's not a really good showdown of the Scalds. Yeah, but you yeah. don't play. But those you are don't, cards I want to put in an Obzon deck. Definitely not. You don't play egg if you already have this kind of card advantage. You play, you know, Tangled Florhedrons or you know, some some kind of ramp or Elvet. You know, you could do a, you could do a food package. You could do Goose Trail of Crumbs Visionary. I would think that I have those cards in my deck. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. I would. I, I agree with Brad. Like, I I would guess that this card is still great in a Orion deck because it's just a great card, mm -hmm. but. Yorion is a reactive deck in that even though you're playing to the board, you can't play some of your cards unless your opponent has first played something that you can interact with. Yeah, so that's, like, fair. that's fair. So like there is that, that reactive element where, you, you know, you play a showdown of Scalds and you hit two removal spells and something else and your opponent's like, I'll take a turn off from playing a creature. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'll just I'll pass for a turn. I mean, that's still not like a horrible exchange for you because it's you know, you're mm -hmm. whatever, but it's I I'm more thinking of the abusability of this card in a deck where it's like you play this and then the next turn, yeah, you you know, adventure yeah. your love struck beast and then you play an edge wall and you know, or you play a burgy and then you play everything that you got with showdown or you know, like things like that. Like that to me is a more impressive yeah, totally agree. That's one thing that I really want to try that I haven't yet is Bergy and Showdown because that just seems unbelievable to me. Just the the big struggle is whenever you can get Showdown and and play all the spells off it, it feels like you're really far ahead because you gain so much advantage. But you know, if you just have two three drops and a five drop in the land, you're probably not doing that. But if you play Bergy and you have two three two drops in a land, you can probably cast all those um so that so that does seem sweet the one yeah. thing i've had uh, the last thing i'll say about it with yorian is it has been a five drop to me you know and and i'll play something on four i'll interact on four and then on turn five you play showdown play a land and then the next turn play another land and then one spell off showdown maybe yorian to blink it and keep it going but that's that's the line where i found it to be good but just on four it doesn't have enough value most of the time unless my hand's really crippled in some way where i need another land or i need to kill this card across from me and i just have to find something yeah i mean and and the last thing i'll say i mean and, and maybe it's good in yarn like you were the one on your end before like arguing with you early times i feel like this is a 50 50 because sometimes you're like when you're right you're really right and when you're wrong you're really wrong um, but, yeah, and and so like I don't want to go in circles on this, but like yeah, just reading two and three and seeing how adventure plays out and works just means that shadows like seems like an aggressive thing because I want to play all my cards and adventure slash aggressive cards will allow me to always play all my cards. Also, mm -hmm. they're always going to be effective. Like if I hit removal spells and my opponent doesn't have any removal and anything to kill and play, then I'm wasting my card. But a proactive deck like 
uh, some kind of aggressive strategy means that a I'm going to deploy threats that they want to spend time interacting with, and that's the time when I reload. And then b what I put into play early that might be getting dwarfed now now gets bigger because of showdown. So it just mm -hmm. feels like all lines point to I want to attack, and in standard we haven't been able to attack much because our two drop gets dwarfed by their three or four drop, but Showdown is the first card that says, no, it doesn't anymore. Like, so your playing, two drop can now trade playing, with their three or four drop. You're playing Torbrand with it? Why? Because he's a dwarf. Oh, oh God. I was, I was wondering where, where this was coming, like... <laughs> the, one thing I, the one thing I do love about what you just said, bro, is in an adventure theme where we are expecting to play against Lovestruck Beast still because it's just a phenomenal card. The fact that this is a white card and now Giant Killer is just naturally yep. slotted into this deck, you either get to play it for one mana and put a counter on something, or if you have mana and they have something big, just being able to Giant Killer and then cast, uh, or whatever, chop down, and then cast Giant Killer after the showdown cards are gone, that seems busted to me. That's what I was Absolutely saying earlier. Like, you, like, on your showdown turn, you're on, on when, when you're on Chapter 2, mm -hmm. adventures work so perfectly because, like, so you can perfect. just throw a Lovestruck Beast uh, into Exile, right, in, yeah. on, their, on their adventure for one mana and you don't have to worry about spending the rest of it to cast the card. So like, and like if you look at a curve, if you look at a curve of like Croaky's deck, for example, mm -hmm. it you you could hit multiple three drops off your showdown, but they're not actually three drops. And yeah. if you're if you run into the same problem that we were suggesting with Yorian, where you hit two removal spells, so they just don't want to play a creature. What what if your removal spells are also creatures? Then you get to just play creatures. Sure, so yeah. no, that does seem really good. And also if you hit an adventure that's two spells for the second and third chapter yep. too mm -hmm. so that's yeah. two plus one plus one counters you get to put on creatures for cheap just it, yeah. it all it all lines up pretty well i don't know and, if that's going to be the best shell for it but it looks and, you know it sounds good and realistically all you're doing is making innkeeper even better than it was in gruel and it was already the best one drop if you're just adding six adventure creeper creatures four giant killer two shepherds or whatever you're just making that card even better too. So yeah, it, it really does seem like a Nea Adventures deck in some regards seems pretty powerful. Yeah, I don't even know if I want the edge walls. I'm gonna explore this a lot. Like by next week's episode, I will have a lot more to say about Showdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, because like one of the cards that I want to play with with it the most is um Rimrock Knight. I think Rimrock Knight is actually a really good magic card, mm -hmm. uh, but it's just not good enough. But it with showdown of the skull might be enough to push over the top because i can get into combat with more creatures plus three and, plus one as well yeah Brad, did, get did you two, see that one. boros deck i posted at the bottom uh yeah i i, 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 I yeah same same kind of thought like i'm curious about that too where you have just so many one drops with showdown and Bergy. Like, I'm sure you have a, a completely different direction to go, but I'm going to try something like that uh, today on stream as well. I, I think you're totally right. It seems it seems really strong. Where's your yeah. where's your tour brands, though, dude? You got to be dwarfing the competition. <laughs> Honestly, maybe, you know, uh, Torbrand could be dwarves, good in there. And Brian won't understand it because he hasn't looked through the entire spoiler. Let's talk about Goldspan Dragon. That is ooh, our number ooh, one pick. Ooh, ooh. Uh, the dwarf thing is just there's a magic card in here that creates a dwarf that creates treasures. Um, yeah, uh, two drop. I'm aware of it. But okay, so Goldspan Dragon is our number one card, or at least I'm putting it as number one. But like Sam said, it could easily be Showdown. 
Uh, but Gold Spent Dragon is three colors, red, red, flying haste whenever Gold Spent Dragon attacks or becomes the target of a spell, either player, create a mm -hmm. treasure token. Treasures you can you control have tap, sacrifice this artifact, add two mana of any color. It's a four, four uh, flying haste. So I love this card. I've been playing with it. It's fun. It's the like free mana and mana based around tempo is so stupid i think it is disgusting and disturbing but this is the world we live in and this exists and and it's good <laughs> like, yeah i don't know brad i never uh -huh. heard you talk bad about captain lannery storm oh yeah that's true that's um, true i think that they are wildly <laughs> different magic cards <laughs> yeah, captain lannery isn't legal right because that no, actually not, seems not kind not of messed up with this anymore. card no, no, okay no. okay um, so one thing I, I want to say about this is I've been playing basically all showdown and I haven't been playing Goldspan, but the reason I totally agree that I think Goldspan is the best card in this set is just because of how well it matches up against showdown of the scalds decks. Like if you're just playing a four mana draw four card, sure. It gets you some value and stuff, but you play a Goldspan dragon and just go over the top. And unless that showdown contains answers to Goldspan Dragon, they're forced to miss the cards. They're forced to throw away that value from showdown because you have to answer Goldspan on the spot. Otherwise, it snowballs out of it out of control so quickly. Just imagine Goldspan Dragon as your fourth creature that you play. Like on turn five, it's your you have three creatures already in play. <laughs> Goldspan Dragon attack Embercleave. I mean, that's just gross. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, disgusting. It, it just brings me uh, so many teamer energy vibes. You know, like just topping off with Glorybringer when you already have good attackers. Like if you can slot into a deck that has that similar role, I, I feel like. Yeah, I'm actually I'm at the opposite. I, I think that the value of this card comes in what I've been doing with this card is putting it in decks that don't normally attack as their win condition in the early turns, but like mm -hmm. has some interaction, has some good magic cards like Brazen Borrow and and um uh stomp and uh and two mana counter spells. Well, yeah, and two mana counter spells. And what happens is, is you interact with your opponents, but then you play this goal spend dragon and attack. And if you have a two mana counter spell like a negate, um, even if they try to kill it, you can counter that because once they target it, you get a treasure, you sack the treasure, then you can cast your spell. But then you attack, you get this treasure, even if that didn't happen, and then you have interactive mana. And so you're able to tap out, but not actually. It's it, This has Teferi vibes, but in a get them dead sense and not a now I have to control the game. Yeah, Teferi Nissa, I think, is the closest comparison to that. And it's a creature. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the decks that we've been seeing, like, I think what everybody has been playing so far is just LSV's Is It deck, which is just four Goldspan Dragon at the top, and then you have Disdainful Stroke, Essence Scatter, Negate, Brazen Borrower, and uh, Bone Crusher Giant, as well as Sod Coming and Behold the Multiverse as all two mana spells. It's just the entire deck... You can cast your cards off Goldspan Dragon, and I'm yet to play that e uh, either. I'm going to be playing it today on stream, but it just seems disgusting to me. It seems absolutely disgusting. Yeah, yeah. the danger in casting Goldspan Dragon is it while it's on the stack, because once it's in play, it's going to be a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've seen it. I've cast it. My opponent tries to kill it, and I'm just like, all right, counter it, attack, and I still have something interactive to do. My gut is saying that this is going to create some kind of Jeskai tempo deck 
and I don't know why I'm saying it. I just think that Jeskai Mana is actually good, and there's a lot of good potential in splashing white in an Iza deck because, like, it'll answer some problems that you might have that, like, you know, just there's white cards that you might want to play alongside Goldspan Dragon, and I haven't cracked it yet. I don't know what I'm doing. My gut just says I want to explore Jeskai. Well, um, Brad, I believe I uh, that Jeskai seems... Tempo deck, so I hope you find one. <laughs> That seems yeah. like a uh, good thing since the top two cards we're talking about are great Jeskai cards that probably work together pretty well. Yeah, they might they might work together. Um, I mean, like the seems card insane. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I really do. I I I firmly believe that show. I don't want to play expensive cards with my showdowns, even if and it's gold, just uh, Goldspan's the only five drop above it. Well, it might be, but I also don't want to play reactive cards. And I want to play, like, I want to play the gates with Goldspan Dragons, but I don't want to play the gates with Showdown. Mm. Um, and yeah. and so, like, a card that, a four drop that's Jeskai that I might like is I actually might want to look at an arch set. Because Ooh. I have all these interactive early cards. Because with Goldspan, you want to play cards that cost two. So you want to play Stomp and Brazen Bar as interactive creatures, and you want to play, like, negates and maybe some... Uh, some of the uh what are the cards the foretell cards i'm not that high on the foretell cards but they do seem good mm-hmm. but like if i'm playing some i already want to play these cheap interactive cards narset slots really well with that strategy because you yeah. play like two really cheap interactive spells you play a narset you can kill a thing and play you can tick it up like it, it just feels like it might slot in as a card that you want to play there um mm-hmm. yeah i mean i've been playing three of them in my uh just guy taking turns list and it has been pretty decent for me. Not not miles over, um, you know, over the moon or anything, but yeah, oh, I think that, it could that, be. That taking good. turns card might be a good top end for Goldspan Dragon too. That's what like, I was just, just gonna say too. Yeah, if you hit him with that, and then you just you're gathering two treasures, and you only have to like spend one to cast it. I mean, one well, all Epiphany. perfectly, right? Yeah, because you attack with Goldspan, then the next turn you attack again. Olrins, that's just ten damage in that sequence if you have nothing else. You know, and that's a lot. Uh, it's technically 14, right? You attack, you use your two mana to interact, you untap, you play your six land attack, get your treasure, cast your card, and then attack for six. Uh, and yeah. then attack for six. So, I mean, yeah, like there's the sky's the limit for Goldspan. It's a very powerful card. Um, extra mana is something like literally if it, we've already seen it. If, if your five drop creates two free mana, it's it's been one of the, staples of the formats thus far teferi and nissa have been staples oh yeah, yeah. and, oh, and yeah. this card does like the same thing practically but in creature form yeah god yeah. i think i'm gonna even just toss some gold span dragons in my deck just to give it a shot it might be heinous but it seems sweet <laughs> yeah i i like even after my rant about showdown i don't have a problem with putting this card number one because it's certainly like showdown requires a deck that is built around its ability to like to use and abuse it in a powerful way. Whereas you can, I mean, you could say the same about Goldspan Dragon, but the floor of this card is still obscenely high. Oh, like yeah. even, even if you're not doing like the, like, I don't know how good all the negate blue, blue, red is it stuff is. I'm assuming it's probably strong just because this card is so good. Mm-hmm. But even if you were just playing it in, a, in like a gruel deck where you're not even abusing the treasure aspect of it, just the Embercleave combination with it or just the stomp combination with it or whatever is still really good. There's even Trial oh, yeah. of Ambition or whatever it's called. Uh, I'm guessing it's not that. 
Because that's a one colorless, one black uh, sack of it's creature. Something, it's something of <laughs> ambition. Uh, it's colorless green instant. Uh, choose one. If you kicker it, choose all of them. Oh, yeah. Inscription of something. Yeah, it's one of the inscriptions. Um, and yeah, so colorless green, kicker, two colorless green. Uh, if you kick it, choose all of them. If not, choose one. Put two plus one plus one counters on a creature. Target creature fights, gain life. So like you can, you oh know, my if it's just God. green. Yeah, if it's green red, then you attack and you have a combat trick always. You have, you can put two counters on something. You can fight something in combat. You know, like I don't Wait. think that's going to be that good, but that could be. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's insane. You can chain those on Goldspan because you, whenever Goldspan is targeted by a spell, not your opponent's spells. Yeah. So if you put two counters on this, you just get another treasure. Yeah, you get your treasure back and you can cast another thing if you have it. Jesus, tap dancing Christ. That's pretty good. Yeah, targeting targeting your gold spans are really good. <laughs> oh, wow. I wonder, you know, like that, uh, do you remember Jeskai Ascendancy combo deck from, uh, from Ages Past? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one that was in Modern where it was like um, you played like Cerulean Wisps and all these other cards like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. It kind of just reminds me of that, but on a card that's already an insane dragon. <laughs> See, for me, my head was just going towards, uh, God, what was the red-white, uh, like, angel? It was like a 3-4 that, like, whenever you uh, cast an instant spell that targeted one of your creatures, you, like, exile it, and then you get it back at your end step. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, I know what you're talking about. The one that was a it was in a strike or whatever. Deck. Yeah, yeah. You just paired it with that. Just imagine feather. that nonsense. Yeah, feather. Just imagine that nonsense. If you just keep targeting your gold span dragon with one drops that nets you two mana, and then you get it back at the end step. Like, oh, gross. Is feather yeah, still that's what legal? I was. That's what I was trying to say about the like. Yeah. Like the Jeskai combo deck was that you would untap your mana sources and then keep playing. Uh, you know, keep playing cheap cards that can trip and untap your mana sources. And like, you could literally just do that with gold span dragon. Oh, and I, I know that's not, oh, there's probably a combo. Yeah, yeah. Like I know that that's like, it's not like the, probably the optimal way to use the card, but the fact that that even exists where there's like, you, there's probably some win the game combo where you cast gold span dragon attack where they get treasures and then just go off on your own gold span and kill your opponent yeah yeah no <laughs> kidding like one mana but you don't have to tap a creature to target it so then you just net mana every time there's got to be something like that but yeah luckily feather was in war of the spark so <laughs> otherwise that would just be disgusting okay all right well i think i think uh i think we should put a stop on that because we're just talking about ridiculous combos that we don't understand that the dragon might be able to do which the is cards cool. are not even legal in the set but, yeah that's probably but <laughs> as, as show run i feel like we can put a plug in that yeah um, <laughs> Yeah. So we have a small list of honorable mentions. We're not going to actually get into these. I just want to talk about them briefly. Um, these are just four cards that Corey and I have our eye on. We're not quite sold on them, but we mm -hmm. think that they do something great and we don't know where they go. Um, but, you know, these aren't at the top of our list. And we'll start with, and I'm not even going to read what they, they all do because they all have walls of text. But yeah, Google um, it. Yeah, Asika's Chariot, <laughs> uh, Vorinclex, uh, Emmerstrom, Predator, and Allrun's uh, Epiphany all had honorable mentions for for our top five, but they were all just a little bit below the cut, in in my opinion. I mean, all of yeah. these might be better than Tibalt, truth be told, but I have really liked Tibalt's versatility. Mm -hmm. 
So I wanted that to be on the list over these because they these are all not split cards. Yeah, definitely but, more role players when we get like five through the end, but you know, one through four are just good cards that of course have to have some roles, but these seem like they gotta have a specific home to be busted. Um, and we'll see. Yeah, yeah. but they all, they all seem like decent cards that might have a good home. Um, Vorn Clex was mm -hmm. definitely close because uh, it's kind of hard to kill this card. <laughs> and it messes yeah, with so many cards. Like, it, I didn't think that that second ability would mess with so many cards, but it just does. Yeah, I mean, I would, the... Oh, sorry, BBD. Uh, I just gotta say one quick thing. Uh, if we see a lot of this, like, Naya deck, you know, and exchanges from just four uh, giant killers in the main instead of everybody trying to kill things with... ECD and Binding of the Old Gods, that card's going to be pretty bad. But if it's a metagame where sagas are the removal of choice, good luck. Good luck beating Vorinclex. Yeah. Yeah. I would guess that Vorinclex and All Runs Epiphany are both better than Valky, and the other two are not. But who, who knows, really, to be honest. Yeah. So. Yeah, you guys just have to try its versatility. That's the impressive thing about that card. Like, you, you, you neither of you have cast it yet, and I mm -hmm. would have had it lower too, but I cast it quite a few times. And I was like... Holy shit, this just feels like a clean magic card. Yeah, I'm excited it, it to try options. I'm excited to try a Rakdos deck um with Goldspan and Tybalt sometime this weekend. So I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot for sure. Or if you got a sweet list, bro, ship it Not to your yet, younger no, bro. I don't have anything. <laughs> I, I was trying some Immerstrom Predator Rakdos decks and they all feel like medium. I actually don't know how good Immerstrom Predator is in those decks. Yeah, I'm not um, really about that card yet in those kind of shells, but who knows? Yeah, it's it's felt fine. Um, I do like how that card kind of comes down before the gold span and kind of really is annoying to the gold span dragon. Yeah, and um, so good against Doomscar and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, the card has the card has chops, but I don't know what to do with it yet. But yeah, that is it. Um, and now we've got quite a we've got a few new people and quite a lot of people to get through. Uh, we were trying to keep this episode short, so we got to get to our cast and crew. Um, but thank you everyone for listening to this episode we'll be back at our normal time next week which is thursday um and we'll have a lot more to talk about with standard then as Corey and i are dgens and we'll be probably playing a lot of standard uh for the next five six days yeah like i told you i've been playing standard since the intro of this episode so yeah, yeah. i agree <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone cast and crew coming up next before oh. we go before we get into that everyone that is not part of our cast and crew so far just so you know if you want to become part of it uh, our next Bash Bros Battles is on February 20th. That's a Saturday. And that'll be um, Swiss Standard with New Standard mm -hmm. plus Top 8. Uh, and we'll be giving away $1,000 of BCW store credit because that tournament is sponsored by BCW. Love you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Going to be a fun tournament, uh, especially just New Standard. I, I can't wait. We're, me and Brad are even going to be playing a New Standard tournament on Saturday, right? I think I'm going to play in it. I'm not sure yet. Not positive? Okay, cool, cool. I've got, right, I've, well, got, I've got a decent amount of work to do today, so we'll see how I feel. Cool beans. All right, so next up, cast and crew. And like uh, Brad said, if you want to be a part of this crew, you can uh, join us at patreon.com slash Podcast. Um, and first up, we got a new member, and it is Bino Gatista. And this is our unpaid intern. Um, Bino, just a, you know, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like I've met this human before. You haven't. Okay. But yeah, they really just wanted to be a part of this and really interested in working their way up the casting yeah, crew. They wanted, they wanted to yeah. grind it out. They, they were very yeah. excited about being an unpaid intern and we love not paying our employees. We do. So it was, so it was thanks, a good Bino. exchange. Nice I gotta to say, you. I love 
I love Bino's glasses and mustache. It's very, yeah. yeah. The big nose was a little bit over the top, I thought, but you know, I, you know, that's, that's not for me to judge. All right. Next up, we got S. Saruti, and that is our business analyst. Yeah. So, um, so, so you actually know how to pronounce that name. So, so S. Saruti is somebody that uh, is in my chat a lot when I stream, and I've never been able to pronounce their name correctly. Is that how to pronounce it? it? I don't know. That's just, I think it is. I thought it was Saruti. Oh, yeah, I always say Scrooty, but I think Same. it's Scrooty. <laughs> yeah, Scrooty hops in my chat every once in a while, too, and that's what I've said. They haven't corrected me yet, so that's good. I'm glad that um, neither of you corrected my pronunciation of... The analyst? analyst? Yeah. No, no, no. We encourage butt jokes here at the Aspros podcast. I actually so. hate all bit. butt jokes except for calling an analyst an analyst. Mm. <laughs> because, like, an analyst technically kind of is an anal person. Yeah, I was going to say, Brad, you're so, so anal I, I, on these I, I anal like jokes. A, I do actually, I, I hate most butt jokes except for all of them. Anyway. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> big right, fan so, of all. So speaking of butt jokes, my ass hurts, but my new Herman Miller chair is about to get here any minute now, literally any minute now. If your awesome. butt is still hurting after you sit in that expensive of a chair, I think I you got to sue somebody. Yeah. yeah, or check Gotta on your butt. Talk Good to Dr. Oaks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the real reason you've been uh, get, experiencing you might, pain. You might need to get your chungus ass. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. right. <laughs> so uh, next up, we've got Inside Esports, and that's actually the uh, the person running the tournament on Saturday that Corey's going to play in. And we'll have a link to that tournament in our show notes, uh, that's a thousand dollars up for grabs, um, and that is tomorrow. So if you're listening to this podcast when it came out on Friday, that starts tomorrow uh, in the afternoon, though. So it's a, a pretty decent time uh, for the light crowd. But that is giving away a thousand, you know, cold hard cash, uh, and not a lot of people are signed up for it yet. So it seems like a still to get into if you want to play a competitive tournament with new standard. Um, yeah. But that is Inside Esports, who is our Chungus Wrangler. Yep. As our nice. Chungus, every company needs a Chungus Wrangler. Like, it's an important position that must be filled. We yeah, left I was... it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this for from 2016 to 2020, Chungus Wrangler was a position that we just didn't fill. Mm. But now, here in 2021, we've under some new management at the Bash Bros. We're appointing a Chungus Wrangler. We're expanding. Yeah. We're expanding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Next up. Oh, oh sorry. Go oh, ahead, I was just going to say it's interesting because, right, like we we, we could have used, you know, maybe, you know, they're, they're in the esports team and stuff like maybe uh, maybe they could have been, you know, like a, a, a tournament promoter or something. Nah. But no, nope, they wanted to be our Chungus Wrangler. Yeah. Yep. That's, Checks out to correct. me. <laughs> and when you have a hole to fill in your company, you should fill the hole. Like, <laughs> well, we still don't know what Phil does, so mm. yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we got Ian Pasella, and that is our BBP's leading resident pastafarian. I actually had pasta for breakfast today, which is pretty weird, but it was all because of uh, Pasella's direction that it forced us in. Excellent. All right. Next up, we got. Richie, that is the Bash Bros accountant, and gotta say, running dry. So, 
So I don't know what you're talking about. Richie invested all our money in GameStop. We're rich. <laughs> no, 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 no. He invested in the blockbuster. Yeah. Richard shorted GameStop quality. Oh, so Richie's been actually paying for all our special guests with GameStop stock, and now we are super shorted and we are completely fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's what's happening. Yeah, that's that's how that works for sure. <laughs> Next up is Albu, who is our research director. Uh, and they should have researched, uh, you know, all these stocks and stuff like that that we're getting into. But, yeah. but luckily, but luckily, we have uh, we have decided to uh, invest what we have left into Dogecoin. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. The old we're, dog. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Next up, we got Wapa. Wapa is Brad's personal barista, but. Also wants to walk D, you know, a, a lover of coffee and dogs, which is what me and Brad are as well. Um, but not that big of a lover of walking BBD, which I guess I'm not a fan of doing that either. Well, we nor, just, we nor just didn't Brad, train so. BBD when he was younger. He just doesn't, he just doesn't, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just hard to control him on a walk. Like, yeah, that's true. He, he, uh, <laughs> get him to shit in the proper places is pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so we're working on draining our Brian, but uh, Dean and, and Henry seem to be pretty well behaved lately. So thanks, Wap, Wapa. And speak for yourself. D is a nightmare. Yeah, uh, Henry's say, actually getting pretty good. It's surprising. So yeah, speaking speak for Henry there. But all right, next up we got Adham, and that is our ghost writer. And Adham ghost wrote me to set ghost wrote me to say that. While we might be using Dogecoin, the Doge meme is one of the worst memes that has ever been made in the history of memory. Everything about it is awful. Yeah, I'll All stand right. behind that. I'll stand behind that. No, no, okay. no. I, I, I will stand ground with you on that one. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Are we going to die it. on this dog hill, guys? Uh, we're already dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're That's right. Inside. We're all dead. Inside. That's what it sure, takes sure. to say that. So. All right. So, uh, next up, we've got David Watt, who is our special <laughs> guest screener. <laughs> Just sorry, I had a exhale of flatulence there, guys. My bad. Great job. <laughs> Great job, guys. I mean, I gotta say, David Watt is knocking it out of the park when. You know, you got two co-hosts who can't hold in their flatulence while recording a serious podcast, and it takes the special guest to keep that together as the only one who's not shitting himself mid-cast. That is on David's ability to pick. So, Brian, are you saying you're the shit that keeps the cheeks together? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that... When you leave, come together like butt cheeks. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Next hey, up, we have Paul Ka. Oh, got him. Sarowski. And that is BBD's wall staring photographer. I haven't seen many pictures lately. I don't know. I think maybe Paul is. I think uh, we still need up. to send some. Some you know, we have to send our shit to to Paul so Paul can actually uh, make them. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, I'm cleaning off my uh, monitor right now. <laughs> I got a little too hey. close when I. Uh... Yeah, cracked that's open a... that cold, crisp, refreshing DP. <laughs> All right, that's next a up is right Max, there. who is Corey's linguistic coach, uh, doing a decent job. 
there's there's a few there's a few grammar things that we might have to 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 switch over max from linguinis to you know but 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 overall I'll give it a b plus not bad all i can see is i have two people working on me eating pasta so far we got linguini yeah, and, and we have our pastafarian so right now we're, we're living carb high and i like it so all right next member of the casting crew y'all super excited about this love the work they're doing phil has just been knocking out of the part just motivating us all to be better and better and better each day and just really, you know, saying there's no can't in our vocabulary. Not because we don't know what contractions are, because Max has been really teaching us a lot, but just the fact that can't shouldn't be used in our workplace. And it's really motivational. Dude, so, so, so our joke, our joke is always that we don't actually know what Phil does. I'm mm -hmm. just going to, you know, throw it out there, right? Let, let, let's Whoa. break the fourth wall. Whoa. But I actually love the idea that Phil is just our motivational speaker, because I, for one, think that motivational speakers are just con men. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, and, yeah. and, and like, we don't actually know what Phil does because we don't actually know what motivational speakers do. They talk for a while. They make it apparent that their job is worth it and they're worth the money that they're worth. But and then we pay not. them. Yeah. On that note, I encourage mm -hmm. everyone to read the sports illustrated article about Jack Easterby. <laughs> do you guys know who that is? No. Nope. He is a, well, they actually, the funny thing is, is they actually don't know what he does. He is a high up member of the Houston Texans organization, the NFL team. People okay. who work there don't really know what he does or why he's there, but he's, he, he's basically a, he's basically, he was a, um, he was like the, pastor on staff for some college basketball team a long time ago and he has parlayed that all the way up to being like one of the top decision makers for the houston texans football team and they are circling the drain hard like really circling the drain and people are basically blaming that guy because he's like calling a ton of the shots for their organization and he's just a like um he's just a a chaplain like he's he doesn't have any football knowledge or skills he's just <laughs> like a <laughs> wow but yeah he parlayed he parlayed being like the chaplain for a college basketball team like not even like a big one like a smaller one yeah. all the way up to now being like one of the high people in the texans organization and like people people there like don't really know exactly what he does like it's so he's uh, the shack he's the shack yeah. of nba broadcasting not broadcasting <laughs> yeah Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, Sorry, that was that was a deep thing, but yeah, I would recommend people look that up because it's really fascinating and also a little bit scary for people who are fans of that team. But anyway, all right, we got JP. That is well, the BVP none of them, right? General manager, what's up? Good thing there's no fans of that team. Oh, there's actually quite a bit. <laughs> there's actually quite a few. <laughs> One or two. Uh, that is our BVP general manager. I will say that somebody on facebook the other day said that they've never seen a fan of the tampa bay buccaneers before they've been and and i made me realize that i've also never seen somebody who's a fan of the tampa bay buccaneers like until brady <laughs> i just don't yeah i mean now there's a lot of fans coming out because they're, they're doing well yeah i just i've literally never seen i can can't think of anyone who's a fan of the bucks prior to this year kind of crazy mm. anyway who's Fair next enough. 
Uh, I am Jason Florent, who is Corey's nemesis. Mm, yeah, haven't played oh, him in a while. Yes. Actually retired him to a different game, so I'm pretty proud about that. Next up, we got Sultan Abasi, and that is our designated mana dark. It's got to be our number one card, Goldspan Dragon, this week. <laughs> oh, Let's Jesus go. Christ, that's true, yeah. <laughs> it is. Holy shit, yeah, that's, that's a mana dark now. I need to go back. You you went off Jason Florent way too quick. Oh. Um, because I actually want to say something about Jason Front before uh, oh, you know, it's still Sol Navasi's time now. But yeah, yeah. So so I thought Jason might come back for for the you know the streamer stuff um, and come back to Magic, and it does and just locked in just Legends Ruterra not playing not playing uh, Magic anymore, uh, getting deep into Legends Ruterra, doing really well there. Um, but someone did come back to our game yesterday. The old uh, Jeffster. The fucking Jeff Hoogling came back. Yeah. No, I, I hope Jason crushes Brian. it, though. I, I, he was playing Magic today, but... Yeah, I hope oh, Jason crushes it. I know he's been trying to get Legend of Runtar sponsorships and stuff, so... Yeah, I hope he crushes it, but we miss him. Oh, Jason did come back to Magic? No, no, no. I miss him playing Magic. He hasn't oh, come same. back, but yeah, I've seen I would, Yeah, I would, I, would go, I would go watch him some more, you know, watch the stream yeah. if he came back. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, I just saw Jeff Hoogan playing Magic yesterday, and it made me chuckle. Nice. He's back! Yeah, he'll he he he'll get drawn back in always. He's oh yeah, he's tragically tied to magic as much as he wants to escape it. <laughs> oh, he wants to escape it. Or, I was gonna say, it, but he he escaped all of his uh, Twitch subscribers when he left too. Mm. <laughs> I don't know about that. It still shows he has fifteen hundred, so he's probably doing all right. Oh, he's doing right. fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we got Eric Nall, and that is our BBP trash man. So. Mm. Previously, he was a looming threat to humanity, but yes. he has now become the trash man through, I don't know, realization, enlightenment, nirvana. Yeah, yeah. Really impressive journey. Eric Nall has came through, you know, has, has now, he became so powerful. He was basically like an all-present trash machine, but now has Have just come back. Have we run this long spill yet? Well, oh, yeah, I was yeah, going to, but then you deleted it. Yeah, so then I, I couldn't it read it. I just realized that this isn't new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was old. <laughs> no, he said, as I approach Earth, and then, then that's why I was just saying random things trying to cover because you yeah. deleted it. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do behind the scenes is just fuck with each other. <laughs> exactly. All right. He said, as I approach Earth in a methane-fueled meteoric propulsion, I feel myself slowing. I run out of gas just as I meet the atmosphere, crashing downward to solid ground. Now a weak piece of trash, I've realized the duality of life. Just as there can be no darkness without light, there can be no trash without clean. I dedicate my life to exemplifying trash by creating its absence. I take up janitorial services at the BBP office. I am now the BBP trash man, both occupationally and literally. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, you can't read everything that's typed for you. You'll get canceled, mm. man. Yeah, I love Eric Nall. It is so funny, but it looks like Eric is fully accepting the BBP trash man job and has, has settled into his ways. So I mean, it's, it's you, a Eric. true magic story. Trash to treasure to yeah. trash. And then back to trash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next up, we've got Gare Meldy, who is our merch store manager. And what's exciting is uh, Gare actually has a new shirt. Uh, mm. That's going to be coming out this week. Um, mm, yes. A while, a while back, 
we made a joke about the Four Seasons Total Depression. Brian did. <laughs> so good. Uh, and, we lost it. <laughs> and Gare's like, just ran with that idea. So we actually have a Four Seasons Total Depression shirt coming out in the next week. It'll be in our store, and that'll be one of the shirts that our patrons will also be getting from our tier rewards. So God. God, we're so good to them. We're so good to them. <laughs> oh, we're so good to our fucking... Don't say no, shit like that. They're good no, to we're us, not. Corey. Yeah, we're terrible yeah, to them. Yeah. We're, we're not good to them at all. We, like, went oh. back on some of our tears shit. Like, no, we are bad to them, and they love us, and and we appreciate them. Hey, don't blame me. Blame Adham for right, telling me to say that. Okay, come yeah, on. We, come we, <laughs> they're so good to us that we even, like, have... We've turned them into our own scapegoats. Yes, yes, we yes, have. Correct, correct. All right, and whenever we're really good to our uh, patrons, Patrick is in charge of just creating a party for all of us. Patrick is the office party coordinator. Whenever we can safely party again, oh, we shall. I'm going to party like it's 1923. All right, Filippo Scalanus <laughs> is our... Sorry, he was our remunerating executive chief technical utility manager or rectum however, is now received a promotion to the Associate Reviewing Sensibility of S for Hero Optimization and Lassitude Elucidation, or Asshole. I am so glad I'm not in charge of reading this one anymore. Filippos, uh, come on. Come on, Heptagon. That's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You know who else we love is... Is it it my turn? Shit, did I do something? Fuck me. Okay, so we are... Oh, yeah, it's Laura, our CEO. I should never miss Laura. Jeez, I'm going to get fired soon. Yeah, yeah, you are. Absolutely. All right, next up, we got Victor, and that is Brad's first place trophy holder. Just stands in Brad's rooms holding the many trophies he has. It's a really demanding job, you know? It's a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah, we don't let we don't let him sit either. That's the hard part. He has no, to stand no, no, no. twelve hours. But a day. like I said, we're good to all of them. Okay, so let let's put that on the record. He works twelve hour shifts holding Brad's trophies. Mm. No lunch break. Really, <laughs> it's it's ugh, it's bad. It's the second hardest job. First is definitely our next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be soft job depending on what we ate, but you Let's know, for the most part, it's a pretty hard job. What is the next job? I don't know. Brian, it's your turn. (laughs) It is Dr. Unks, our resident proctologist. (laughs) Uh, But but I've never never seen Dr. Unks in the office. I've never not seen Dr. Unks in the office. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Unks just waits at BVD's desk for him to get there. Ugh. Oh, classic. <laughs> oh, All right, everyone. Well, that was our cast and crew. Thank you so much for uh, everybody who is, uh, you know, makes this journey with us. You boys got anything else? Uh, not really. I mean, once I get my new chair and adjusted, because like I, I will be streaming a little bit more and streaming uh, other games as well. I've been wanting to do this for a while, but I had tech issues into. I swear this Cardox chair is just the most uncomfortable thing I've ever sat in my life. <laughs> like actually brad carnar's gaming chairs are excellent absolutely uh, I, excellent. I must have gotten a defunct one or my ass is <laughs> something's wrong with my ass <laughs> no it's i i am <laughs> i sit on those chairs often at, at uh 
at the place where I promote them. So. Oh yes. Oh, I'm sorry. This isn't a Carnox chair. It's an Oxnar chair. Yeah. I got it yeah. completely o- wrong. Yeah, Carnox chairs are the bomb. But our yeah, those other well, chairs. I'm not gonna not comment good. on Carnox chairs, but I will say the chair I'm sitting in. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, if you're having problems sitting, you can talk to Dr. Hunks and he can really help you out in that. Yeah. (laughs) No, I got a Herman Miller coming and I'm going to be, you know, uh, way more in my office and and I'll be way more excited to be uh, streaming and doing more content and playing Magic and other games. Actually, I'm starting a new game in a group with uh, friends uh, called Death by Daylight. It's a four-player game, so we're going to start playing that. I mean, Among Us has opened my world up, and I've been yeah. playing other games. Yeah, I watch streamers now, and I play other games. Like, <clears throat> I I mean, I played some Legend of Runtara, and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I haven't been playing too many other games, but... Yeah. I've been playing non-CCGs and games that, like, you play with co-op and, like, Discord channels and stuff, and it's a lot of fun. Like, I understand why... These are also WoW players, and they're trying to get me into WoW, Brian, and I am... Giving them the same spills you've heard. Not that I, you, I've rejected you. You know my stance. But they're like, you should play WoW. And I'm like, I'm not fucking touching that. I will get addicted and it'll consume my life. Yep. Oh, <laughs> that was always never mine. <laughs> it, that's oh, completely crazy. <laughs> Anyways, that's the episode, y'all. We'll see you next week. Peace. Bye-bye. All right, time to jump into Azeroth.